So this is why I think we should stop using the words self-discipline. What we really want to think about is self-control. And isn't that what most of us want? We want control in our lives so we can do what we want, when we want, with the people that we want, and ultimately experience life on our terms. But since we can't control other people or external circumstances very often, then what we have to do is look at controlling ourselves. Because when we change, the world changes around us. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal on what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Mike Maloney. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. I'm Clive Maloney and this is episode 47, where today we look at the major reason why you're not nearly as successful as you'd like to be. And while it would be great to blame that on external forces like Brexit, the economy, bad clients, bad networks, the truth is the major reason why most people aren't nearly as successful as they'd like to be is the fact that you're just not good with self-discipline. And if that sounds harsh, I should really point out that it's within all of our natures to be a little bit flighty at times, to not necessarily do the things that we want to do, even though we know that they'll bring us results. What we tend to do when it comes down to things in a business that will take ourselves forward is that we end up putting it off and doing other things instead. I often say there are two reasons why people are not as successful in business as they'd like to be. One is that they don't know what to do. Therefore, they need information, they need training, they need strategies. Well, the other, and the biggest reason, is that they know what to do. They're just not damn well doing it. So today we look at why that is. Why so often you lack the self-discipline that will take your business forward. You allow yourself to get sucked up into things that you know really aren't the right things to get involved in. And you justify it all the time and say, yeah, I'll get around to the other important task in a bit. I'm just going to do this first. And then before you know it, the end of the day has gone. And you never did get that thing done. So today is very much about understanding the psychology and the motivation behind doing things in our business and why we put things off, why we procrastinate, why we struggle to focus. And once we understand these things, we can then make all new choices that bring about new and better results. Now, before we get on to that, I'd just like to take a moment to thank my sponsor for the show, KB Virtual Services. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, then you're probably time poor. There's always so much to do in your business. And unfortunately, some of the things that we have to do are not the things that really excite us. And many of those things fail to generate more income for your business or to impact your customers in a real way. It might be a bookkeeping, arranging meetings, could be a lot of different things. People often ask me, what's the first hire I should ever do in my business? Nine times out of 10, I will always say a virtual assistant. What you need to do is to shift the stuff away from you that doesn't generate wealth in your business and focus on income generating activities. Karen at KB Virtual Services is my choice for a virtual assistant. Not only 
Does she arrange meetings for me? Do pieces of admin? Get my website up to date? All the stuff that needs to be done, but I really don't want to be spending time doing it. But most importantly, she makes me look good doing it. If you're thinking about getting a virtual assistant of your own, pop on over to kbvirtualservices.co.uk forward slash get real. And as a friend of the show, you will get two extra hours of work when you book your first retainer. So that's kbvirtualservices.co.uk forward slash get real. When you think about people with extraordinary self-discipline, who do you think of? For me, I often think about martial artists, professional athletes, musicians, or even dancers. These are people who have practiced the same thing for years and years until they truly have mastered their craft. It's easy to imagine that these people have some kind of special quality that makes them so driven and focused. The truth is that anyone can help self-discipline. The problem most people have is that they don't understand the psychology behind exceptional levels of self-discipline and also how to build self-discipline. So probably a good place for us to start today is to think about what actually self-discipline is. Collins English Dictionary would have you know that self-discipline is the act of disciplining or power to discipline one's own feelings desires, etc., especially with the intention of improving oneself. So what we're really talking about when we mean self-discipline is it's about changing our behaviour. We want to change our behaviour to be more aligned with our goals and long-term desires. And this involves choosing to do the things that bring about our longer-term happiness at the expense of doing something that gives us instant gratification right this moment even if that instant gratification we want now isn't actually very good for us. Let me give you an example. I've been trying to lose weight. I know that when I go to a restaurant, I should eat the healthy option on the menu, but I get tired of going without, and often I'd just rather eat the Rocky Road ice cream. So that's often what I'll do. Or maybe if you think about a business example, Maybe you know that you should be consistent with your social media if you want to get clients online. But keeping to your schedule on posts feels very much like hard work and you'd often rather do something else instead. The problem we have is that the human condition is geared towards instant gratification. We want instant happiness and ease over long-term reward. Often we know the things that will improve our business or our lives, yet time and again, we opt for the easy option. So I honestly believe that this is one of the major reasons that we are simply geared towards instant gratification. And maybe that was okay as a survival mechanism back when we were cavemen. But if we want to grow a life of meaning and a life of purpose, if we want to grow a business that means that we have to take strategic action way ahead of when we might get some return for that, then really we're going to have to start treating this differently. We're going to have to start putting our long-term needs and goals above our instant gratification and ease. And I think maybe one of the other reasons why we lack self-discipline is because of the very words that we use to describe it. So if you think about the word discipline, what does that mean to you? For me, I think about being punished as a child at home or at school. We discipline our children because we want to correct their behaviour. We want to direct them to behaviour ways that are more positive for themselves, 
for ourselves or society in general. And the truth is, when you're a child and you're being corrected or punished, disciplined, if you like, you never really see that correction as to be in your benefit. It's always about what other people want or what other people expect. So it feels like pure punishment. And that's the problem. When we think about discipline, we think about punishment. We do not think about the desired positive outcome that people have for us. Or at least that's what they tell us they've got for us. doesn't always work out that way, does it? So this is why I think we should stop using the words self-discipline. What we really want to think about is self-control. And isn't that what most of us want? We want control in our lives so we can do what we want, when we want, with the people that we want, and ultimately experience life on our terms. But since we can't control other people or external circumstances very often, then what we have to do is look at controlling ourselves. Because when we change, the world changes around us. So that being the case, I think we need to be focusing on three primary areas. We need to look at the cultivation of self-control, which is, of course, very much what we're talking about here today. We also need to be talking about building new habits. We do that so that our actions no longer require willpower or conscious thought. But we want the right habits and we need to know how to build them. I'll share a little on that today, but we're going to delve more into it in a future podcast. And thirdly, I think we need to customise our environment, which can help remove the roadblocks and help us resist temptations. So those are the three areas. Cultivate your self-control, build new habits, and customise your environment. Again, today we're focused on cultivation and self-control. I'll talk about building new habits and customising your environment in a new podcast. For now, though, let's get on and think about how we go about cultivating self-control. And it starts with knowing what you want. You need to know what you want, why you want it, and then it's about taking action that's consistent with that long-term desire. Often we don't really consider what we want and why we want it. We just know that we want something. We understand there is a need, but we don't take enough time to really evaluate what that need is. So think about it for a moment. When you look at your daily tasks and things to do, how often do you really think about why you need to do them and what you stand to gain from them? In fact, you can do that right now. If you've already got a to-do list by you, then grab it now. Otherwise, think of maybe the first three to five things at the top of your head that you know you need to do. And ask yourself, what do I stand to gain through doing this? Why are these actions in line with my long-term goals and desires? What could I lose if I don't do this? What's the impact of that? How much do I want my long-term goal? Am I prepared to wait longer than I need to in order to get what I want? So these are just some simple coaching questions, and you can do that yourself. In fact, I do that every morning when I set my daily three. Every morning in my journal, I write the three most important things that I will do in my day. Yes, there will be a lot more things that I want to get done, but I know if I just got these three things done, today would be a success. And when I write my daily three into my journal, I'll ask myself questions like this. 
Now, to help you with this, what you might like to know is that I've put a cheat sheet together today. So at the end of this episode, make sure you do pop on to my show notes page. I'll remind you the link later, but pop onto my show notes page and pick up the cheat sheet. They'll have these coaching questions as well as other tips from today's podcast. You can just download that in a simple cheat sheet. So I think that's a good place to start. Decide what you want, why you want it, and then take consistent action with that desire. And that means thinking through the consequences of the actions that you intend to do and the consequences of not doing them. And key ingredients, by the way, for positive behavior change come down to three major things. One is that you have to have clarity. And by doing these coaching questions that I just gave you there, or maybe make it up your own, you can use that to find that clarity so you're clear on what you want and why you want it. The second ingredient for positive behavior change is necessity. You need to understand how your actions are aligned with those long-term goals and then make them a must. So try not to think just about creating a business or being in business. Try to think about the impact that you're trying to create. Maybe that's for your clients or for the world or just for yourself or your family. Why are you doing this? What's the purpose? Again, it links with clarity, doesn't it? But you really want to make this feel like it's a necessity rather than just something you're working on. And then the third ingredient for positive behavior change is urgency. We need to build a sense of urgency in taking the necessary actions so that we get things done today and not put them off until tomorrow. It's easy to get confused between self-discipline and motivation. Motivation is your desire to do something, while self-discipline and self-control is about doing something, even when you don't feel like it. So that's why these three key ingredients, clarity, necessity, and urgency, are so important. Okay, we've talked about knowing what you want. And that's knowing what you want in the long term, rather than know what you want right now, which is, of course, immediate gratification and ease and comfort. Let's take a look at some other strategies for building self-control. So strategy two today is about focusing on identity. And we discussed how being clear on what you want and why your actions are in accordance with your desired outcome. This is a strategy that really can help, but it's something that must be applied consciously. Just like at the start of the day, I'll write down my daily three and I will consciously ask myself these questions. I'll use them to find the clarity, the necessity, and the urgency. They all require conscious effort and thinking. Now, a far easier method is to forget about the goal or external outcome that you want to achieve and instead focus on the change in identity that you want to happen. In other words, what version of you is going to make you the success that you want to be? In the book Atomic Habits, James Clear writes about two people trying to give up smoking. And this is a great book, by the way. I really recommend that you check it out. Uh, in fact, just look him up on YouTube. There's plenty of opportunity to hear James Clear speak there. Now, as I say, he's got this great example at the start of his book talking about two people who want to give up smoking. He says, imagine two people resisting a cigarette. When offered a smoke, the first person says, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. It sounds like a reasonable response, but this person still believes they are a smoker who was trying to be something else. They're hoping that their behavior will change while carrying around the same beliefs. 
The second person declines by saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. It's a small difference, but this statement signals a shift in identity. Smoking was part of their former life, not their current one. They no longer identify as someone who smokes. For good or for bad, however we identify ourselves will determine how we behave. So we act in accordance with who we think we are. And you get to decide who that person is. I know as small business owners, it's very easy to fall into the trap of imposter syndrome. But these lies we tell ourselves about why we're not the successful professional that we want to be, or why we're really not enough for our clients, our prospects. It's this thinking that's keeping you small. We need to change this thinking. We need to think about who is really successful. How do they think? What is it they believe? What is it they know about themselves? And then I think it's just a case of saying, well, what if this is me? Maybe at the moment I've not quite got the results I want yet, but the results will come when I'm doing the right things at the right time and I'm doing them consistently. So if I am a world-class consultant, a world-class web designer or fitness coach or whatever it is that you do, what do I need to do in order to prove it? How does someone like that behave And then every day, it's just about proving to yourself that you are that person. Focusing on the identity, not the actions. You do the actions simply because that's the kind of person you are. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so that was strategy two. Focus on your identity. My third strategy for you today is about creating reminders. In the daily busyness of your life, it can be easy to forget what you're trying to create and why. There are lots of different ways of doing this. A common one, if you've ever worked with a coach before, a really common one to do is to create a vision board. Now, if you think vision boards are a bit woo-woo for you, then I really encourage you just to go with it. Give it a go because they really work. A vision board is a place where you display what you want to achieve and bring in your life. There are so many examples in neuroscience, marketing, and other psychology-based sciences where we know that what you focus on expands. When you create a vision board and place it in a space where you see it often, you essentially end up doing short visualization exercises throughout the day. Now, visualization is one of the most powerful mind exercises you can do. Now, according to the book, The Secret, the law of attraction is forming your entire life experience and it is doing that through your thoughts. When you visualize, you are emitting a powerful frequency out into the universe. Whether you believe that or not, we know that visualization works. Olympic athletes have been using it for decades to improve performance. And Psychology Today reported that the brain patterns activated when a weightlifter lifts heavy weights are also similarly activated when the lifter just imagines or visualizes lifting weights. Now, I've got a full description in my cheat sheet for today. But if you want it right now, here's how it works. To build your vision board, you really need six essential steps. The first one is to go and grab yourself a board. So go down to your local hardware store or your stationer and maybe get yourself a cork board or a poster board. You can also get pin boards from places like Etsy. Next thing you need are scissors, tapes, pens and a glue stick to put your board together. And if you want to make it extra fun, get yourself some stickers or anything else you want to add to your board. So washi tape or anything like that. I don't tend to bother myself, but a lot of people like doing that. 
Now, once you've got that, you need to grab some magazines. And basically what you do is you cut out images and quotes from the magazines. And don't worry too much about how selective you are. Just rifle through and as soon as you see something that captures your imagination, that is aligned with the kind of future that you want to create for yourself, just cut it out. Don't think, just do. Now, some people like to put them straight on the vision board. For me, once I've cut out all the images and the quotes and the text that I want to add, I will have another quick scan through and make sure that I'm happy with everything before I put it on. So photos, quotes, sayings, images of places that you want to go, reminders of events, places or people, postcards from friends, and just about anything that you want can go up on your vision board. Give yourself a stress-free hour or two to put your board together. If you're a social butterfly, invite your friends or your family over and make a party of it. There are a few things to bear in mind as you do this exercise. Your vision board should focus on how you want to feel, not just the things that you want. This is about engaging your imagination and emotion elements of the brain. If it feels right for you, it needs to be on there. Don't question whether you deserve it or not. Just put it on your vision board and have fun with it. And if you're still struggling to know what to put on your vision board, know that anything that inspires or motivates you can go up. The purpose of your vision board is to bring everything on it to life. So maybe think about what your goals are in the areas of relationships, your business, finances, home, travel, personal growth. And that could include spirituality, social life and education, and also your health and fitness. You don't have to cover everything. Just take a mental inventory of what you want each of those areas to look like and write them down and then go find something to put up on your vision board to signify that. And it really is as easy as that. You grab a board, you cut pictures out of a magazine and you stick them on your board. That's it. (laughs) And just remember, the power is in the visualizations and the feelings that come with it. As it happens, famous comedian Jim Carrey also knew that visualization was important. When he started his career and he first arrived in New York, he famously wrote himself a check for a million dollars. He put that check in his wallet. And would you know it, one day he had that amount of money and more. So if that kind of thing works for you, go with it as well. I've had some of the clients I've worked with write out checks and put them up on a display board or in a a photo frame so that they can look at it every day. Okay, let's have a recap. Strategy number one is knowing what you want. Get some clarity around that, build some necessity and urgency, and make sure that you understand how the actions that you take today are in align with your long-term goals or desires. Strategy number two was to look at your identity. When you change your identity, you no longer have to worry so much about doing the right things. It's more about doing the things that are in alignment with who you think you are. And you decide who that person is. And then strategy number three was to create some reminders. You might like to use a vision board or write yourself a check and put it in a photo frame. Whatever it takes to remind you about the life that you're trying to create. Remember, that is as much about the feelings that you want to create in your life as it is the things that you want to have. An exercise I often ask my clients to do is to write a future letter. Well, they write a letter to themselves three to five years from today, telling themselves everything that's happened, all the things that they've experienced, 
and maybe offer some encouragement and words of wisdom along the way. Once that letter's written, I then get my clients to go back and record it on audio, and then they can listen to it before they go to sleep at night. My fourth big strategy for you today on self-control is to lean into resistance. So what do I mean by this? Leading into resistance is about embracing the discomfort you feel when you do something that takes hard work or is unpleasant. Sam Thomas Davies says that self-discipline is about leading into resistance, taking action in spite of how you feel, living a life by design, not by default. But most importantly, it's acting in accordance with your thoughts, not your feelings. So find ways to embrace discomfort. Do it every day. Take cold showers, take the stairs instead of the lift, sign up for a fitness class, or have no sugar in your coffee. They don't have to be big things. And you don't have to do it all day, every day. But every time you do it, you'll be reminding yourself that you have the control and you have the power to do things, even if they're unpleasant. And the more you do it, it's like working a muscle, taking exercise. The more you do it, the more self-control you will build the more capacity you have to deal with difficult things in your life. A good place to start here is with the fundamentals. Start with your sleep. Make sure that you get plenty of sleep. You need energy throughout the day, and if you've not got enough sleep, it's going to suffer. Alongside that, think about your nutrition. Can you eat better? Can you eat more healthy foods? Can you exercise more? Are there some habits that you can pick up there? Your brain requires that energy for executive functioning. You will struggle to make important decisions and take important actions if you don't have sufficient energy. So my question for you right now is how can you start to lead into resistance? What can you do, maybe even in small ways, that is about taking back control of your life? Motivation is a fine thing, but motivation never lasts. So therefore, we need to focus on the kind of people that we want to be. That's your identity. Know why you need to do it. And build the self-control that you need to be able to do this consistently. And finally, I did promise that I would talk about building habits and optimizing your environment in future podcasts. But I also said that I would share something with you today on forming habits. Of course, forming habits is really important. By forming new and positive habits, you can chip away at your personal goals and your business goals in small incremental steps. The first thing you need to know is that to create a habit, you really want to focus on one new habit at a time. This is really important because often we go about trying to create a lot of change in our lives and then there is so much work and so much effort going on there and it's difficult to keep track of everything and we make mistakes and we go back and, and we go back to old unwanted undesirable behavior because that's what we're in the habit of doing it's so messy in the middle of creating a new habit is that very often we lose track and we forget things entirely and then we beat ourselves up for losing track and coming off the wagon and one of the biggest things you need to understand about creating habits is something called ego depletion ego depletion is a person's diminished capacity to regulate their thoughts feelings and actions this is what we've been talking about all up to now, isn't it? Self-control. Or lack of self-control is your 
diminished capacity to regulate your thoughts, feelings, and actions. It impacts your ability to form new habits because your supply of willpower is spread out among all the areas of your life. And so because of this, it is important that you only work on one habit at a time. That way, your store of willpower can be channeled into generating that one habit and ultimately increase the odds that you'll be successful. So ask yourself right now, what new habit do you want to form? Just like your goals, you need to identify your habits. And then you can think about how you're going to get it right. Now, it's not too difficult to work out what that habit might be. It could be to exercise more. It could be to be more consistent with your social media. In fact, be very careful about that language I just used there, about being more consistent. You don't need a qualifier there. Don't use a qualifier. Just be consistent. That's an absolute rather than a qualifier. So are you going to take exercise daily? Are you going to be rigorous in exercising your business plan? Whatever it is. And then commit to a minimum of 30 days. Now, a lot of people used to say 21 days to create a habit. I've done quite a lot of research on this and I've spoken to a lot of different people. And as far as I can tell, nobody really understands where that 21 days came from. A study in the University College of London found that on average, it takes 66 days to create a habit. I'll talk about that more in a future podcast. But my advice to you is to keep it really simple, focus on 30 days. And at the end of that 30 days, if you're still going, focus on the next 30 days. And at some point in that, you'll not have to think anymore about doing it. It will become automatic. Now, once you've done that, a good thing to do is to anchor your new habit to an established habit. So just like I brush my teeth in the morning when I first go into the bathroom, there is a habit there. It was also me going to the toilet. So when I go into the bathroom to go to the toilet, then brushing my teeth has been anchored to go to the toilet. So similarly, When you brush your teeth at night, you could write down everything that you ate for the day. And then by writing down everything that you ate for the day, it will help you be more conscious about the food that you're eating and ultimately help you eat more healthy food. Or maybe it's when you drop the kids off to the babysitter, you will stop by the gym for a yoga class. So this is what we call anchoring a habit to an established habit. And a final tip I'll give you today on habits is to reward your important milestones. A new habit doesn't have to be boring. Focus on building a reward system so you can take time to celebrate the successful completion of your goals. The reward you pick is up to you. It could be a big thing or it could be a little thing. But take time to acknowledge the success that you've done. And if for some reason you fall off the wagon and you make a mistake, no, it's just one mistake among a sea of goodness. I want to finish up by saying that no matter what's going on in your life, and no matter what your track record is up till now, you have the capacity to change. I was coaching a lovely woman last month who was so frustrated with herself that she kept on going back to old behaviors, old habits, and not doing the things that she wanted to do that she knew she had to do, but she kept losing track. The past doesn't dictate the future. It starts with knowing what you want and changing your identity. When you take more self-control, and you start simple, start in baby steps. If you can't get your head around a new strategy you're trying to use, then break it down. Do it simpler. Or maybe just start by the end of the day, you tidy your desk. Control the little things, and then everything else gets easier. 
As a reminder, if you want to get hold of the worksheet that accompanies today's episode, then do go to my show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 47. And if you found it useful, then do me a favour, pop on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast and leave me a review. If you've ever tried to create a podcast or a YouTube channel, you'll know how important reviews are in getting your material found. A five-star review would be awesome, but whatever you think would be very much appreciated. Thanks for spending time with me today. Good luck on putting these strategies into action. Until next time, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.